0: Welcome to Financial Planet Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner, founder of Menninger and Associates Financial Planning. The um, show is about financial planning explained. How about that? It's the title of the show. Uh, we like this to be educational and hopefully a little bit uh, enjoyable and enjoyable. Um, We try to make it fun, Um, but certainly the most important objective here is to provide an educational experience to the viewers. And back by popular demand, we are taking questions and answers. These questions and answers have been either questions that were asked of us or I had someone scouring the internet for ideas of questions because what it does is it kind of throws out an opportunity for us to discuss it. just as sort of a panel discussion. And so I have with me today two of the advisors that work with me, uh, two of my colleagues, two of the associates of the manager and associates gang. And uh, so to my immediate right is Kyle Ryan, who is a certified financial planner. And all the way to the right is Ryan Keefe, also a financial planner with our firm. So um, with no further ado, uh, again, the six areas of financial planning are tax, uh, t- cash management, tax planning, uh investment planning god almighty we start over from scratch here <laughs> so you got cash management you got tax planning you got risk management which is insurance planning investment planning retirement planning and estate planning we actually spent uh two episodes elaborating on what each of those areas mean when it comes to financial planning which certainly explains why you know some people say it's because I'm talkative but Certainly, you could spend three hours meeting with a client just touching on these different areas and as it directly applies to them. But uh, with no further ado, let's jump into the questions. You guys ready? Yep, let's go. All right, so what's the first question? When is a good time to start retirement planning? Right out of the womb? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's never too early,
0: right? I, you're actually,
1: I kind of said that jokingly because it's never too early. Yeah, and also more importantly, some things that we've seen is it's, it's never too late. Right? it's better to get started than to not start at all. That's, that's actually a very good point. And, yeah. one,
2: and one thing that you've used in client meetings before that I think is, is a pretty accurate analogy is kind of like steering a ship. That is correct. You know, if a ship is on course and it veers just a little bit off, you know, if you correct that right away or early on, it's much easier to get back to where you were going rather than if you just let it persist for a while, that boat's gonna be way off course, and then you gotta you a do, whole, you know, lot, whole right. lot to make up for, yeah.
0: So that's that's actually a very good um, um, statement there, or analogy. One of the things that I've noticed during the years that I've been doing the financial planning in my third decade already, if you can believe that, um, I've had the pleasure of observing multiple clients during the course of time. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have found is that there are people think and behave differently in different demographic age groups. Mm -hmm. People in their 20s think one way, People in their 30s think a different way. People in their 40s think a different way. people I mean, if you think about it, in your 20s, you're just starting your career. In your 30s, you're probably starting your family. In your 40s, you're putting your kids off. In your 50s, you're kicking them out, okay, which, by the way, is the biggest raise you'll ever get in your life, (laughs) just so you know, from those who speak from experience. And then in your 60s, now you're thinking retirement. In your 70s, you're well into retirement. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I noticed... And this reminds me of my eye doctor telling me that at age 40, plus or minus 2, is when your reading vision goes. I've observed this not only with observant people, but if you've had clients for over 20 years, you actually follow them through these different demographic groups. Mm-hmm. Here's the one thing I've noticed. I, I cannot really describe it, but it, it's like age 60 plus or minus two is when people begin to get tired and tired of it mm-hmm. and they tend to hang on simply because of they want Medicare at age 65. Yep. And you and I have had clients where we look at them and say, do not get stuck On 65. Mm -hmm. You have enough money to retire now at age 61, 62. If you want to retire, retire because if you think about it you're only paying, I say only, relative to your net worth you're only paying a thousand dollars a month for medical insurance. You're going to work for three years just to save that thousand dollars a month when you got enough money to live now. But I say that because we have clients who are in their early 30s or mid to late 30s who are so well on their way mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah. and we have these charts that show and it's very it's basic math that shows again it's the the compounding effect mm-hmm. that if you save $5,000 a year for 30 years versus 35, the difference between having a million or two or five or six. What a difference. You know what that is? That's the difference between starting to save at age 25 versus starting at age 35. Those people in their 20s who begin implementing some of these things, what that does is that puts them in the power position when they're in their late fifties.
2: Yeah, yep.
0: And one day I'll be in my late (laughs) fifties. And one day, every day is a
1: day. Um, I also think it's it's interesting because I've seen this shift in what retirement means to people. You show someone that they can retire, that they can live without their W-2 income. They may or may not choose to continue working because they enjoy what they do, but you can really change their their attitude about going into work. Oh my goodness, yeah. So I think it's really changing from being entirely focused on retirement and cutting out the W two, but really being focused on financial independence.
0: Financial independence, great. There's a two great words.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, if you if you're comfortable whether or not you have the income you currently have, but you enjoy what you're doing, you have financial independence and that is a great thing mentally, psychologically, to know that you have. You can do as you please within a limit, you know. Of but, course. But you can do as you please and and it most people want that, I would assume, and it takes a lot more to get there, and that's why the earlier you start, the better.
0: Absolutely. Right. Puts you in the posi- It puts you in the power position, as mm-hmm. I said. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working because you want to work. You're not working because you have to work. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people still do, as to your point, work in retirement, but that's because working is like a hobby. I want to be a golf
1: starter. Oh, dude. You, you know, I know? That's easy for me. <laughs> I just want to be at a golf course. even if I don't need the income I'm probably going to do it a lot of people want something to do Um, it fills the time it's free golf (laughs) Ah, (laughs) well you know it's social that's it's social absolutely and Mm -hmm. you know
0: what what the golf starter does is he gets a chance he sits on the first tee and he gets to see every 10 minutes he gets to see four new people of which, if you're the same starter all the time, you see the same people oftentimes on Saturdays and Sundays, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you created a social network. And oh, by the way, you get the golf for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. But it, you know, it keeps you mentally stimulated, uh, emotionally. You know, it, it, it's it's stimulus. It, it gives you purpose. So, you know, I, I agree. But you know, so to in answer to the question, what was the question? <laughs> um, when's a good time to start? There's any time is a good time. However, the only caveat that I would say is that what I've found in planning and really getting into the nuts and bolts is a really good time to start honing in is about three to five years before. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because what that does is, you know, when you're 25, 30, the concept of retirement is not real. But if you're three to five years from retirement, it's very real, okay? And what that enables us to do for our clients is to actually help them with the establishment of their goals. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this before, one of the most important components is to understand your cost of living. And what that does is that gives them a few years to kind of practice, if that's the right word, on understanding what their cost of living is. Mm -hmm. And it also enables them to position their assets, to position if all of a sudden they're trying to increase their saving for retirement, they're doing it while they're working when they have the opportunity to be driving almost $30,000 a year per person into their 401k, assuming they have a 401k. Mm -hmm. So it gives them the ability that if they wanted to do certain things for tax planning strategies, whether it be converting from IRA to Roth IRA, doing some of these things before the impacts of social security taxation come into play, before the impacts of Medicare and IRMA come into play. So while, yeah, you can say it's always from the womb, <laughs> but really honing in a few years before retirement is, is I think, the best time oh. if you really wanted to hone in on it.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. there are some very, very critical and important decisions, when to take Social Security, Absolutely. You know, what to do with your retirement plan at work when you retire, that could have a profound impact on you long term. Absolutely. Um, and, and if you're coming to us after you retire, it may be too late.
0: Well, at least we lose some of the tools that we can use to better position you. Mm-hmm. Too late. I mean, well, you know, to Kyle's point, it's never too late to start, mm-hmm. but you're better served. The, su- the earlier you start, the better served you're probably mm-hmm. going to be. Yeah. Okay. So Absolutely. it's actually a good question. Uh, what's our next question? How often should I adjust my retirement plan to reach my goals? Okay. Well, that could be interpreted as prior to or after, but I think the answer to both is probably the same.
2: Uh, I mean, what have you found? I I find it's a good idea to usually take a look at your retirement plan annually. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, really, it should come anytime there's a major life uh, decision, uh, something that happened that changes your circumstances drastically. Um, but if if you're kind of just living life and everything's status quo, I think it's a good, good idea to come in annually and sit down with an advisor and just kind of go over, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Things, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Funny, you know yeah. what?
0: And a lot of people are concerned when the markets took a dump in yeah. 2022. Yeah. And their immediate knee-jerk reaction is, oh, no. And so what we like to do is our measuring the benchmark is not how did the stock market do or necessarily how did your accounts do. Our benchmark is, are you still gonna be okay to live the life that you wanna live during retirement? Mm -hmm. And even to the extent of the value of your retirement accounts will fluctuate up and down. Mm -hmm. But also remember, as we talked about, the the, uh, science behind how you go about taking withdrawals from your retirement account. But it all comes back to going back to the retirement plan and are you still on track Mm -hmm. to live the life that you wish to live? And you're right, annually or any time that there's a major change in um, your circumstances. It could be a job change, uh, a financial windfall. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. it happens where you're receiving an inheritance uh, you know, you have a financial, I don't know what the term is for a negative windfall, but something that goes headwind. south. What's that? A headwind? Yeah, it's a headwind, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um,
1: I Yeah, I mean, I would think, you know, how often do you, uh, the question was how often should I adjust my retirement plan? I would look at it, your retirement plan is a part of your financial plan, right? So your financial plan incorporates a lot of different things. Like, again, you have a kid, you might, that's a, that's usually the triggering point for people to get a will, right? right. You have a kid, That's a tr- that's not, You know, you can make an argument that it could be done before that, but there's a lot of triggering points in people's lives that lead them to come speak with us, to adjust their financial plan. You know, I need to get a will, to potentially get insurance now that I have a kid. Um, You know, we're sending them off to college. So how you plan on paying for the college, it it all impacts it. And each time you make a decision or you're thinking about making a decision, your plan should reflect that. That's
0: correct. And, And also, if your goals change. Oh, hey, you know what? I decided that I want to buy a property at the shore.
1: I want a beach house. I want a beach house, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: And so we addressed that and said, okay. It's so really when you have major annually, just to keep track, mm-hmm. anytime you have a big event occur mm-hmm. from financially, whether it's, you know, increase in income, loss of income, mm-hmm. and major goal changes.
2: Yep. And And it might not just be your life as well that could be the triggering point. It could be legislative. You know, tax laws change. Good point. You should probably go see your financial consultant or advisor, talk to them about that. Mm -hmm. Interest rates rise. You know, you may want to give them a call. Hey, I have this home equity line of credit. Should I convert this into a term loan? Should I pay this off in full? There's a number of things that could affect your plan that may not always be in your control.
0: Does that remind you of yesterday's client meeting? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, good answers. Uh, good answers. Uh, the next question. Uh oh, test of my eyes. Can you read what that? Do you guys want
1: to help me out with this? It says My elderly mother wants to put my name on her individual investment account so that the money is immediately accessible should she pass. Should I do this?
0: Oh, all right. That's an estate planning question. State planning, um, and, tax and planning, taxes. investment planning. You know, it's interesting because, quite frankly, I had this discussion with a client this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer to every question is it depends. It depends. <laughs> All right. So, there's a lot of. I mean, think what are, what are putting the your. What's that? What are some of the impacts? Yeah, I mean, what are, what are some of the impacts? So, in other words, you know, my mother decides that she has a million dollar investment account and so that I can have the money immediately or whatever the case may be, she decides to put me on the account. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. What are the ramifications of doing that? Yeah, uh, what kind of account is it? Right, is it a Assuming attack? investment account. An investment account, okay. So if it's an individual investment account, are there a lot of gains in there, right? So we mentioned a step up in uh, basis before. What happens if you pay $10,000, it's worth a million. If you are a part of that account, uh, and she puts you on that, you are going to be, you know, she's a,
0: handing, over the, ca- she's the handing over the
1: capital gains on the, Correct. so, you know, that could be harmful. On the other hand, you're avoiding inheritance tax because now your name, you're an owner that's of that a account. That's positive. So that's a positive. Yeah. So you're kind of looking at a double-edged sword where it's, again, it, it all depends on the individual person because if you have a lot of gains loaded in there, that it might be, not be worthwhile. If, if there's not a lot of gains, then maybe you look at avoiding the inheritance tax.
2: Yeah. There could be that. You also gotta be but be wary of who you add onto your investment account. Yep. If you add even a child onto your investment account, that money is it's theirs. Half theirs, half theirs. Well, well even they, and, they they and they have to access to it. They have access to it. They can take That's what they correct. want. Yeah. That's correct. And you know, I'm not saying that children are greedy, but I've seen it where family or money can be a hindrance on families.
0: Oh absolutely. Um, and they have and being ha- that they have access to it. You know with an elderly mother and you see that they, they it's elder abuse yep. mm-hmm. okay you see them stealing from their parents well the other thing too is you know I could be on my mother's account but if for some reason I get sued her assets are at risk mm-hmm. yep okay right. so that's another issue so
1: or if mom has to go into a nursing home now, well, that's, that's an advantage. That's an advantage because only half of it would be accessible by the nursing home. And mm-hmm. that is so usually course, the
0: reason why people want to put, and, and where I see it most often, is their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is the one usually, you know, grandma bought the home in 1965. <laughs> by the way, we see this all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They paid $20,000 for the home and it's now worth four hundred. Mm. Well, they give it to me. It's as if I paid twenty five grand for it, yeah. And guess what? I got a three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars capital
2: gain on the house. Yep. Okay. Now, something Grandma thought was a nice gesture is a tax nightmare for you. Correct.
0: Correct. And by the way, we do play this game because sometimes if it doesn't matter from a uh, Medicaid or, or any of those types of scenarios, what we'll do is we'll actually look at the savings from a capital gain perspective, but then a savings from an inheritance tax. So if she has that same $400,000 house that she bought for 350, and she gives it to me, well, I sell the house eventually, I have a capital gain on Mm 50,000. As opposed to inheriting the $400,000 house, so that capital gain on 50,000 might be 15%, which is what, Mm $7,500? As opposed to, Having to pay a four and a half percent inheritance tax on a four hundred thousand dollar house—that's eighteen grand in inheritance tax. Yep. So there are reasons why you may do something like that, and if it also is um, the ability for the children to have quicker access to the money. Yeah. To your point earlier that it would take months for me to get it through probate. Through probate, but. If she could also put... Now, if if I was on the account, I would have immediate access if she passed. But what you have the ability to do is what's referred to as a transfer on death, which is effectively creating a beneficiary for that particular account. When you have something like that, it's usually a couple weeks, because what happens is, like any other beneficiary, basically, I have to wait for the death certificate, which, what, about a week after passing, and then I take the death certificate, I submit it to the financial organization, and it's identifying me or whomever as the beneficiary, and poof, the, the beneficiary is gonna have the money within a couple weeks. So that is actually a good estate planning tool. Just be careful of all of the other nuances and ramifications associated with making a gift, and boy have I seen
1: and I know we have to cut the break, but I've ran into this recently, so I think it's worth noting. And it's not exactly what the question asked, but if you are gifting something to a special needs individual as well, um, it is very, very important that, oh, yeah. you know, there are ways in which you can give some. You know, you're thinking, you know, you have a niece who special needs and you give her, you know, X amount of money. That could severely impact their financial plan and the, that the, correct, the benefits that they receive from the government correct. because now they have assets in their name. So I thought that was important. If you're gifting to a special needs individual too, it needs to be done correctly.
0: Right, agreed, thank you. So, um we're up against break. So, thank you for joining and we will be back with you in just a few moments. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation.
2: A unique approach
1: to financial planning.
0: Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger. We're going to pick up uh, from where we left off, and I think we only have uh, time for one more question. Uh, before we get to the end of this uh, episode. So, what is the next question?
1: I can read it for you here. All right, there you <laughs> go. No, knowing <laughs> what it is. Uh, given the current real estate market, would renting actually be preferential to buying right now? Oof,
0: okay, that's a tough question. Um, in fact, one of our guys that we work with just bought a house, literally, he's closing yeah. today. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you knew that. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, here we go again, it depends. Yeah, not um, black and white. The high interest rates are making it very difficult to afford buying a house, right. piggybacked on top of the rapid rise in the cost of housing over the last couple of years. Right. And, you know, the thing that I always caution to folks, in fact, I, I've actually recommended to many people, younger people who have asked me in the last year, I'm like, you know what? I would strongly encourage you to consider renting for another year. Hmm. Uh, while the mortgage rates are high if we go into a recession that's a that if is probably when we likely go into a recession the odds are the interest rates are going to come down a little bit that's number one furthermore we're going to have a supply and demand shift Mm -hmm. the supply and demand shift is what partially caused the housing prices to go up in a crazy manner Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who believes that the value of the houses are going to go down hence making it more affordable and you know you lock in to a $400,000 house at a 6% mortgage you're stuck with it as opposed to a year later it might have been 350 at a 5% good
2: right Ryan. and if and if you're buying a home uh you know rule of thumb you need that home to appreciate 10% right. before you're breaking even because you That's got correct. realtor costs closing costs transfer costs uh, all that stuff. Right. So you, you really are kind of locking yourself in to one of the most important investments of your life at a time where h- home prices are pretty uh, astronomical uh, compared to what they historically have been. Right. Um, so you know I, I, I have friends that are all looking to buy homes at this point in their lives and I I totally get it. Rent's not great. It's much more expensive than yep. uh, you know a mortgage. but. It, the way I look at it is, is that's your premium for flexibility. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can you can pull out of that apartment tomorrow, that condo tomorrow, and you know go find somewhere new if you don't like it. Well,
0: um, talk about investment. Let's say you decided to put 10% down on a $400,000 house. The house only needs to lose just a couple percent, and guess what? You wiped out your entire $40,000 investment. Gone. because you're paying the realtor you're paying the cost of selling you paid the cost you lost 40 grand just like that not what I would necessarily characterize as the greatest of all investments and to your point exactly owning a home is a ball and chain it kinda forces you and this is a general statement that we make to folks don't buy a house Unless you really think you're gonna be living there at least five to eight years. Mm-hmm. And also if there's any volatility in either one of your careers in that you're thinking that, hey, if I'm locking and loading, I can't move jobs except for within a certain radius of where I'm living, otherwise you're forcing yourself to sell your home and move.
1: Yeah. And I agree, and I would make one comment on the interest rates. Is I wouldn't let the interest rates impact my decision to buy a home right now. It will increase your cost of a mortgage because you're, if your interest rates higher right now, but in the future you will be able to refinance once they go lower. If low. the rates come if, down, if so the rates come down, and also people don't really realize it, but your your rent, if you're just renting, that's impacted by interest rates too because there's an owner to that building who's paying a high, who's could be paying attention higher interest rate and. If I know anything, is they're going to pass it on. They are passing <laughs> and, it on. And they are passing on. You're them. absolutely rent, correct. And rent, they are will, it on. rent typically does move with interest rates.
0: And also because of the fact that they count the rent, the equivalent. Let's say you were renting a house. Well, how much would the next house, if they were to buy the house mm-hmm. today with the interest rates, their mortgage would be this much? Therefore, they're going to increase your rent to be the, uh, the homeowner's equivalent rent. Mm-hmm which, by the way, is one of the fundamental components of inflation, which is gonna be sticky. So we've gotta wrap up for this episode. Um, thank you very much for joining us as we went through a couple more questions on, the, um, on topics that are frequently asked questions, either to us or questions that we scour the internet and find these are commonly asked questions. So uh, thank you for joining us. I hope you learned something. And you have a great day and a great week. Thank you again for joining us and look forward to seeing you on our next episode.